Welcome everyone to another episode of the Sports Reporters. No, the the maybe next year, but we're recording on a Saturday morning, so I feel like we should all yeah. be sitting on stools and you know be hoity-toity reporters from major news publications. I'm Frank Latuka yeah. from the Washington Post. <laughs> I'm 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 Scott Appleton from the uh, from the London Times. London Times. Wow. Uh, and I'm Paul Demansky from Cheektowaga Today. Cheektowaga Today. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing Cheektowaga tomorrow, yesterday's today. There um, is, for the record, there is no such thing as the London Times. Right. There's really only the Times. And I was going to say the Sunday Times, but that's only the paper that I really buy, which on sometimes on Sundays, other right. times during the week, it's just the Times. So, short right. answer, I'm an idiot. No, no, no. You're fine because you're speaking to an American audience would be like, what do you mean the Times? And it's, of course, London doesn't have to call themselves the London Times. New York and Los Angeles have to call themselves the New York and Los Angeles Times because, frankly, they're not as good. So, yeah, <laughs> well, they, they came afterwards. This is, Much. yes, the, yeah. the famous time traveler goes back and says, which which world war is this to the guy right. in World War One? <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be more than one. Um but you can catch up with that, you know, maybe next yellow journalist. Uh, we'll we'll discuss that more. Uh, but speaking of mind boggling results from another time, uh, let's travel back to Monday where the Buffalo Bills uh, she lacked the Tennessee Titans. Can I add the word finally? Because mm-hmm. I feel like finally is appropriate in this case. The Bills beat the Titans 41 to seven and really could have been much worse. Um the first time in recent memory where I have seen not just the Bills quarterback, but the Titans conceded first. The Titans pulled their quarterback first, and Buffalo responded in kind in the third quarter, which just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. The fourth quarter was literally the get-me-the-fuck-out-of-here quarter. Um, and uh, so every all the stats we talk about, remember, could have been much, much bigger on Buffalo's side, most likely. Let's turn to... Um, Local Buffalo correspondent Paul first uh, with the Cheektowaga Times, uh, <laughs> Cheektowaga Daily. Uh, can you um, can you give us your thoughts on this this game? And let's save all the injury talk for later because that really feeds into the the. Let's focus on the football good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Hence why I put the injuries way down on the agenda near the Miami yes. preview, which is coming up, folks. Uh, so look forward to that. Yeah, this was uh, boy, this was an entertaining game. I did not necessarily anticipate things going this easily yet again uh it is kind of funny we say finally because it's like wow we have not beaten the titans since 2019 but somehow that seems like ages ago because uh like we talked about only afc team that had beaten the bills twice in a row and now that is that is out the window a new streak has started so yeah there was i they were definitely a bit flat in the first quarter uh there was you know i was communicating on twitter with some of our our listeners about that the offense had the good drive to start, but it was it also came in fits and starts. And then they gave up, um, you know, they gave up the long touchdown drive. And I really that is as deep as I can go on the negatives for this game, because then they just they just blew up again. We we didn't even see the punter until late in the game. It was a situation where it was a, I think it was a fourth and one. And they took a five yard penalty to try and draw them offside and then punt it uh, in a regular game or in a game that was, say, a one score game they definitely would have gone for it. The only reason they didn't was because they were up at that point, I think 34 to seven or 30 or something big. Um, Offensively. I mean, we talk about Josh ad nauseum 
every week. We talk about digs nearly every week. I don't know what to say, but boy, you know, if you have inexperienced cornerbacks uh, and you can't get home on your pass rush, this is just what's going to happen to you against this Bills offense. This was as uh, as many cylinders as they could click on. They did. Without Gabe Davis in the lineup, I noted at, at one point, I think there are five skill players on the field. Uh, what was it? It was like Gilliam, Kumaro, uh, Knox was the biggest name on there, mm-hmm. and Zach Moss, and then um, Quinton Morris. And they still spread them out wide, passed it, and, and got the first down on like a third and four play. So that's all I'll say about the offense defensively. I mean, Frank and I were both ready to concede Derrick Henry a bunch of yards. Like, that's fine. Give him his yards. Let them run off the clock. Just outscore them. That's fine. The Bills defense was like, you know, no, we're not going to concede them a damn thing. Uh, they Derrick Henry couldn't get going. Is he past his prime? Maybe. Running backs do hit that mark, like, overnight, where one day they're going to be great, and the next day they're just they're, they're washed up. Um, but it was, it was a great job uh, by the defense. Tannehill, without the running game, this is... This is the Ryan Ryan Tannehill of Miami that we got used to seeing. Like when he did not have a running back supporting him, this is the kind of crap we got used to out of him and loved. Um, he was not sharp or effective. Uh, the Bills' defensive backs, really their whole front and their front seven for that matter too, did everything you could ask for them. Front seven got pressure home consistently. Some some blitzes this time, but still not a lot of blitzing. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the defensive backs coming up with some picks again, uh, not letting Tennessee go in, in the passing game. They did sacrifice their lives and health for it. That's all I'll say on the injury uh, aspect, but um, it's really entertaining game. Thankfully, no lives actually sacrificed for right. those that don't want to wait, but they, they did get beat up. Um, Scott, you watched uh, the game after all of this. So, I mean, you, you were, uh, of course, in London covering cricket and then got to this as soon as you could. What were your thoughts on the game? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Paul, Paul hit the, some of the big ones. I mean, I think, um, you know, yeah, I, I will say that, that the thing I was concerned about a little bit is could we, could the offense still work without, without Gabe Davis, who has become obviously like, you know, we haven't, because the offense in general, um, I think, has done so well, and we we know we have digs, we know we have other things. Um, you know, it, it it's tough to realize how important Gabe Davis has become to the offense and how good he is slash become. Um, and so now losing him, I, I was kind of worried whether or not they'd still be able to to get things done. And obviously, they were digs. Digs pretty much had his way. Um, so that that is tremendously helpful. I think I was. I think it is it is interesting to kind of use that kind of finally verbiage because that's the thing. And McDermott has said this before of like, you know, it's a different team every year. You know, the Bills team is a different team every year. The Titans team is a different team every year. And in this case, the Titans are the are, you know, without A.J. Brown and without Julio Jones, they are kind of a different team. They are not as explosive offensively. They have to rely much more on Derrick Henry. So I think they are weaker. I think it's just um, to then go out, but that's the thing. They're still not a terrible team and to still go out and dominate them. Um, obviously on a very emotional night for the bills. Like we got off on the right track um, and that, that, that helped. Um, so I, I think that was pretty good. Pretty nice. Nice to see. Nice to um, nice to see them do that. And then defensively, I thought again, like, again, like you got, like Paul was saying, like, great defensive performance. Um, I think we were all pretty worried about the defensive line coming in. 
Obviously, that'll get those worries accelerate now um, into the next game, which we won't get into. But at minimum, they were able to get things done with guys who were on the practice squad. You know, Bryant getting called up. Um, Jordan Phillips had a really great game. Um, Edmonds and Milano. I think that was. I, I think that's probably one of the best linebacker games we've really seen from the uh, from the one of the best linebacker games we've seen from the Bills in a long time. Because I think that was that was really where I saw the most. I mean, yeah, the defensive line did their job well, but we really needed them to again. You know, if we weren't just going to concede them yards, which I don't think you go out there and tell Milano and Edmonds that's the, that's that's what you're going to do. Um, basically, I think. Uh, it, it, they 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 played downhill. They knew their gaps. They knew their fits. They knew what their offense was trying to do, and they were all over it. And obviously, we saw it uh, on a, not just the, on the run game, but also on the pass game, um, taking away some of those short throws. So yeah. I think it, it yeah it was it was and special teams another a really good special teams performance. Not just um, I think I think Martin did have a punt in the first half because I think we did punt once, but. Regardless, um, there is, but he did his job. Bass, obviously, you know, was a little, little, little worried on a couple of those field goals, but they, they still count them if they get them in, um, mm-hmm. which he did. And obviously, getting the the big recoveries on on the fumble on on the fumble, so on the muff, at least one of the two muffs. So uh, excellent, really excellent all around game plan. You win in all three phases. That's how you win the game. Um, Go out, do it again next week. That's 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 the tough part of this, you know, 16 game regular season. So 17, game 17, season, even. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, made it a little harder. Excuse me. I wanted to say that. Yeah, the first punt was in the third quarter, but I mean, that's still God knows how many quarters without a punt. Um, I think uh, from the macro perspective of the Titans, some of the things that I think, especially the reason I use like the word finally, you look at the more I look at Ryan Tannehill, and I think that his time in Tennessee has been baffling for us because we know so much of him from Miami. And I think when people who don't like Josh Allen say things like he's only good because of X, Brian Dable, Stefan Diggs, the scheme, the talent around him, I think that's actually they're confusing him with Ryan Tannehill because I think Ryan Tannehill was a quarterback and they were a team that was succeeding based on maximizing the skill positions around mediocre quarterback play. And the really, I was sort of we we had recorded before some of the injuries had come out, especially some of like the Gabe Davis one. Um, but, you know, as the week went on, I realized that's what Paul and I were saying was like, if you let Derrick Henry run, what is the ultimate big deal? Because you're still going to have to pass at some point. And you would think that the diminished passing game is going to be hard for Tan and Hill to manage. And it was that to me was it like when I say finally, I mean, like. I feel like the Titans have sort of been kind of fraudulent as to their their um I think their records have been outsized compared to their actual ability and 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 all of that stuff. I think that Derrick Henry does a great job and certainly they made some key plays, but they were built on this like knife's edge um that you know as a, a, these cards started to crumble it it doesn't just like get kind of bad it falls apart completely and that's pretty much what happened to them i, I think i was most surprised by the 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 run defense um the espn announcers other, apart from steve levy actually did a great job i felt like i for the first time i understood what somebody meant when they said somebody likes to run downhill like that made sense to me um the idea of like getting um Derrick Henry to like have to stop or slow down when he gets to the line. 
and they really did a great job on that. And by the time you get to the third quarter, you're stuck because you don't really have a lot of time for him to run the ball. And so he get he gets an all-time terrible stat line. Um, the Bills had always sort of played him well apart from one or two big runs. Like, they, he never had, like, a great, you know, you know, every actual carry was, like, three, four, five yards. Um, you know, especially last year, he just had this one huge run that really improved his average. But this time, they, I mean, he was smothered. And to really sort of see the defense be able to sort of plug and play is a testament to Leslie Frazier and his ability to get things ready and something that I will bring up when we talk about Miami. Um, as for the offense, I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're sending um, we're sending Reggie Gilliam. First of all, Reggie Gilliam gets a, 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 a touchdown pass reception. So mark that one off the, uh, diff- you know, as we go for the most different receivers touchdown record again this year, I'm sure that's a, that's a good one to get out early. <laughs> um, but, you know, he goes – he goes out in, into the sideline, in, in into like the soft part of the zone, and Josh Allen throws a ball that anyone other than a fullback makes a great catch. Like Reggie Gilliam, Gilliam unfortunately, can like he can jump like about as high as I can jump. But like if he could jump like a tenth of an inch higher, he gets his hands on it and makes this great catch. And to me, like this, this is Allen creating period, you know, especially if you had a chance to watch any of the little video clips of of what they do and how they move the ball around. Um, it's really well done. And I think it's really clear that despite the change in offensive coordinator, Josh Allen is very much in charge of this offense and has a command of what the, what the play calls are. And he is now approaching Peyton Manning world of, I can kind of get up there and make decisions about who's the best person in the best place. And he clearly has authorship. So exciting stuff. I'll say that, you know, once the, it you know, the, the Titans scored on the first drive. Um, or the second drive. And so like this is in the scripted territory of of play calling. And once they sort of had to do something on their own, they really had no answer for Buffalo. Um, so, you know, 2-0 and against the Super Bowl champions and the defending AFC one seed. I think that by the end of the year, I think L.A. will will look decent. But I, I don't know. I think Tennessee could be a, a crater waiting to happen. They certainly the AFC South is not good and they will get their wins. But um, in my mind, I think that. Um, that's kind of where we're we're headed. We we might look back at these wins and say, yeah, they weren't they weren't that great. But uh, a smothering is always fun to watch. I think we should turn directly to three stars here um, and then get going because we sure. do have plenty to talk about if if Scott's ready to handle that. And I'm going to unmute Paul. I am ready that. so that he can comment as necessary for three stars. All right, and now I have my cool. controls back, so oh. hopefully. So you can control your you can finally control yourself. I think I can. Or we're all just right. not going to hear me at all in the pot. So I'm going to flip my mic up and shut up and hope my breathing. <laughs> Paul can control the pitch and volume of his voice. Um, so uh, I this is going to be a relatively easy three stars because um, in my extensive research and preparation, I looked at all the Titans and they all played bad. So no Titans get three stars. Sorry. Kevin, or is it Keith or Kevin Bach? I forget. The fact that we don't know his name, he doesn't deserve a stop. K. Bear. He's he's one of the guys who's always on like the best safety list ahead of Hyde and Player, and I'm like, fuck that guy. I don't think he's that good, and I I I have no basis for much to say in that other than just I'm a Bills fan, and I don't want to deal with uh you know my guys not being the best, and so yeah. uh, this game proved it. Our guys it's, are better than their guys. It's that Kevin, guy. but yes, Kevin, you're not sure. that good. Kevin, deal with it. Um, 
So go in the corner with Jalen. To... <laughs> go over there with Jalen yeah. <laughs> and sit down in the yes. I'm not that good corner at, or defensive back area. <laughs> yes. You know who's better than you guys? Christian Bedford. Yes. There we go. I said it. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, as he chuckles with that, with that notion. Um, <laughs> Uh, honorable mention goes to uh, Greg Rousseau, Groot, um, with the sack and the other tackle for loss, as well as two more tackles on top. Um, again, a great defensive line performance in general, even kind of banged up. Um, I also want to do a shout out for Jordan Phillips, who just played with like, not just like, I mean, the stat line is like two tackles, you know, one solo did not, not uh, terribly impressive, um, had a QB hit, but, but I think he just played with a lot of energy, very disruptive the whole game. So I just I really hats off to him. And that's uh, the fact that like that sort of looks like it's kind of worked out for for two games, obviously tracking. We got other problems with him. Um, I think that's that's awesome. And, and I think that that brings a lot to the defense when we can go a little deeper um, as we've always wanted to on the defensive line. Uh, so, yeah. So those are your honorable mentions. Your third star goes to Matt Milano. Uh, three tackles. Uh, one. Uh, excuse me. I think he, I, I swore he had a sack. He had very close to a sack or a tackle for loss at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, he did on the one where he got this. Yeah, with the one where he got the stinger, he hit Malik Willis behind the line of scrimmage. It was like a third and one, and he was trying to QB like scramble. And Matt's like, "Nope, I yeah. stand you straight up." That's yeah. So that's that was yeah. So yeah. So that um, again, just a really good um, game for him in, in general. Again, like I was saying. One of our best linebacker games I've seen us play. Um, so specifically, Milano doing as well as he did is a big part of that. And obviously having big, this is three stars, you know, big plays and, and big performances count. So you get the touchdown uh, that gets, you're going to get pretty good into the uh, star, star rating there as long as you're doing well otherwise. Um, the first and second stars, very, very tough. Very tough this week. Mm-hmm. I decided to end up going with uh, Josh Allen for the second star. I think is, you made the right again, choice. Exceedingly tough because again, twenty six to thirty eight, three hundred seventeen yards, four touchdowns in three quarters. Is <laughs> three quarters of work, an eighty seven point five QBR, um, one carry for ten yards. Um, and not a, even quite three game. quarters of work, right? Right. Yeah. Like he like they. Case Keenum did make a third quarter appearance, right? <laughs> yeah, a great a great game. And and nothing personal against it. It's it's very tough to say that he really could have done that much better. Um, but I think it's really just more of a comment on Steph Diggs, twelve yeah. catches for 148 yards and three touchdowns on 15 targets. Um, again, like I was saying, the whole Titans, you know, the 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 one. If you want to point to something the Bills didn't do great, didn't run the ball great. We we we've known that this team's strength is not really running the ball. Um, James Cook obviously had the nice carry late, but if you're the Titans. Your, your game plan really should have been, I'm going to plan on not, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away Steph Diggs because Gabe Davis isn't here. Jake Kumaro or Isaiah McKenzie, if they beat me, okay, you know, point, checkmate to the Bills. Um, or, you know, Devin Singletary or Dawson Knox beating me, like, okay, I'll, I'll live with that. But allowing Steph Diggs to beat them, they had to know that was coming and he was still able to dominate and completely, you know, again, was the was the thing that kept the Bills offense um, going on track. Um, obviously, Allen had a great game and it would have been different. I think we still would have won if Diggs isn't in or isn't as effective. But I think in general, it just proves that, again, like 
it is not just Allen. There, this whole team is good. It is Allen and a bunch of other good players. Uh, right. You know, two years ago, we would have said, you know, maybe Allen's a good quarterback, but we need to build the team around him. Now we know that Allen is, in fact, probably a great quarterback. But then also building the team around him now makes this team the Super Bowl quality kind of team that we're we're, we're looking at here. So um, those are your three stars. Very good. And I, I wholly I wholeheartedly appreciate you putting Diggs first because I was I thought I thought that would was appropriate because he really had a just a dominant. I, I think they I think they really thought about stopping him, Scott. I think he just, <laughs> you know, he did. They, he didn't really give them much of a choice. Um, he, he really made some moves and plays that would just remind you of what a great, great uh, wide receiver he is. Let's go around the league with important games to the Bills. Miami wins 42 to 38 over Baltimore. Um, and we'll talk about that more in depth. The Jets 31-30 over Cleveland. Cleveland then comes back and beats Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Um, so interesting scores. Uh, really interesting to see the Jets have a backbone there. Um, but obviously the Miami-Baltimore game may be more important in the short term because you're playing Miami this week and Baltimore the week after. Um, I don't understand because – and I know Paul watched some of this game. So oh, I'm yeah. Turn, turn to Paul first. Um, and it's got, I, I know you probably didn't have time to watch any of this. So if you have comments, feel free to share them, but we'll, we'll lean on Paul here. I mean, I watched the Miami come back and I don't think you can take away Miami coming back, but I think you can also scratch your head at what the fuck Baltimore was doing <laughs> because I mean, I'm not kidding. Like they just let Tyreek Hill run past them. And like, then we're like, Oh wait, he's going there. And, and you look at like, I don't want to, again, I can't, I got to stop because I know it's your turn to talk, but like <laughs> the, the, the first big bomb to touchdown to Tyreek Hill, Tyreek had to stop and turn around and catch the ball and then went in the end zone. And it's one of these things where it's like, okay, you know, and we'll, we especially our safety tandem probably wouldn't have let that happen. They probably would have been closer to Tyreek Hill in that particular instance. And I don't know if that play happens, but you know, certainly alarming um, if you're going in this week against the Dolphins um, and, you know, not and in and, and the week after. I mean, Baltimore put together a pretty good game for a large chunk of the game. Mm-hmm. So give us give me your thoughts on on what this game kind of speaks to the, the, the Bills or just your thoughts on it. Yeah, you were you were dead on 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 your analysis on on the bombs there. I was listening. I was watching actually one Bills live yesterday being in Buffalo. I can I can do that. Uh, for this week. And that Greg Cosan, he noted the two touchdown bombs by by Tua. Uh, one was, to, I think the other was to Waddle, were, were both blown coverages, were just both a matter of Baltimore safeties, you know, seeping way too far up, not knowing what the coverage was. And then all of a sudden, Tua just like, I'm just going to float this in the air. And to his credit, he saw it and he did it and he threw those passes right. and they were, they were touchdowns, but they were not particularly impressive throws. So I don't want to spend the, this whole time kicking Tua because, yeah, he's strong in the first half, but you know what? He 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 did fine. He made I think he went uh, over 400 yards. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's not like he was. Yeah. Take away the 110 yards and bombs. He was still over 300 yards. You right. know, so it's not like he he I know as a Bills fan, it's popular to trash him. I'm I won't trash him. I think he played. He played well, you know, he had some struggles in the first quarter. The whole team did. And then he he got things going. Uh, those receivers, they they were great. You know, I am not looking forward to them this week, especially if it's it's Jaquan and DeMar back. It is the safety tandem uh, with our two rookie corners. 
but you know that I, you know, Leslie seems to have dialed up some great pressures, and I want to get into a Miami preview, so I'll stop right there. But yeah, Miami just showed great tenacity uh, coming back in this game. It also, as Frank noted, Baltimore is the next opponent on the slate. Kind of pisses me off that they've now had their completely blow it game early in the season, which means uh, they will have learned that lesson. I would think. I don't think they're the type of team that's going to then get into Atlanta Falcons. Oh no, we're going to blow it again territory. Yeah. Uh, they're a very well-coached team with Harbaugh, and I don't see them falling into that trap. But I was, I, on the counter to that, I was glad Miami had this game because I feel like this was the best we could see of Miami. Right. You note they didn't play that great defensively. Um, they but, gave up a perfect passer rating, if I remember right. Yeah. And um, Lamar Jackson's like one of a handful of people to ever have a perfect passer rating and lose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he played. Re- yeah, Lamar played really well. That's going to be something we talk about next week in the, the Ravens preview, I'm sure it was yeah. just. Um, so, yeah, this was a game where it's like, OK, we've just knocked off, as Frank noted, the defending Super Bowl champs and the defending number one seed. And now it's not going to get easier. You can get a team that's two and zero and on a high in the AFC East, who the Bills appear to be better than. But obviously the Dolphins can win games. We've seen that. <laughs> and then a Ravens team. Uh, that I don't foresee blowing it like this again. So this was an entertaining game to watch. Any thoughts, Scott? No, I mean, I think just, yeah, I I think the the Jets are, I mean, the Jets are a little concerning to me. I think there's, they're, Hmm. they're in, uh, they've reached the point of of frisky to where I think I'm not, I'm not going to like just cross them off as an automatic win later on in the season. I think the bills are still better, but I think, I don't think we can kind of, completely uh completely diminish them and then right. just, um, just winning a know, september game is new to the jets so yeah they've, they've done something yeah. different yeah clear eyes you know, yeah yeah and then the other thing i'll say is obviously the chiefs uh, still looking pretty pretty good um mm-hmm. out tyreek hill um still pat mahomes also still good um I, I still think the bills are the best team in the in the league and in the conference but i also again it's it's going to be a week this first couple of weeks here, um, obviously the Packers still looming out there. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Awesome. I think I agree. I think, you know, and as you, as you point out, like, you know, they, even if they are the best team in the league, that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, they don't play the game on paper, as you've said plenty yeah, of times. It's the, it's, it's the uh, we, it, us winning the president's trophy does not, does not mean as much. Right. And we haven't even won the president's trophy yet. All right, Stephen and our listeners are ready to comment. Stephen, halftime now divides divides Bill's games into the first half and garbage time. I can't remember the last time both teams pulled their starters in the third quarter. Do you think the Bills would have to keep their start? Do you think the Bills would have to keep their starters in had the Titans not pulled theirs? Um, And given the Bills, the Dolphins week two performance, what do you think it will take for the Bills to pull their starters on Sunday? (laughs) Uh, That second question tempts fate, Stephen. So I'm going to hold off on that. Um, And uh, with the um, other part, like, you know, I think that I think that Case Keenum was locked in for the fourth quarter. Maybe they wouldn't have pulled. They would have let Allen finish the third. But I think after especially after like the criticism regarding Allen running in the fourth quarter up a lot, there was probably some level of, you know, you got your yards, bud. You're going to, you know, you're going to take a seat, um, especially with some of the injuries that we talked about by that point had started to pile up. And so there was probably a real sense of, you know, don't need to, um, don't need to do that anyway. 
Uh, he, yeah, I, I agree. I was going to yeah. agree with that just because, you know, it, yeah, you don't want injuries in the four. They were up 40 after the Milano pick six. I think it was inevitable. I think right. they were saying, well, yeah. Yeah. Get the backups in. Um, Steven also talks about injuries and points out that we might have the best team offensive defense and maybe even special teams, depending on how one would measure that. So you can, of course, go to MNY Bills at, on Twitter and read all of those for yourself. But, you know, he has some thoughts and most of that we're going to cover in the preview of the Dolphins game there. Uh, Michael, great to see the Bills looking so damn good. Broad question here. But do you see McDermott to have... But what do you see McDermott to have brought to the Bills? What is Sean's special sauce that has enabled him to make the team so great over his tenure? Are there any managerial insights we can take from him? So sounds like Michael is preparing uh, a work presentation, a PowerPoint, and <laughs> he would like to borrow from um, Sean McDermott. I will I will be the naysayer at first. I'll say the, the most important thing he's brought is is Josh Allen. Um, <laughs> And I think that that's, you know, one of these deals where uh, I always want to be careful what I how much I ascribe to a coach because you can see what he's done. But, you know, he recognizes talent. He surround, you know, him and Bean seem to have a good working relationship about getting the right people there. I think if I was going to answer my favorite thing about McDermott is his flexibility. You've seen him become a different coach from the first year. He is no longer a defensive minded coach. He is no longer conservative on fourth and third downs. He is willing to use the pieces he has to attack the other team. And I think that if you compare his original teams here in Buffalo, they weren't like that. You know, every year he's come out, he he's he's done something a little different and a little better. So I think his flexibility and his willingness to look inward are very good. Scott, you are you are the. Yeah leader of this team. So why don't you tell us what kind of things you see in fellow leader McDermott? Uh, this is not a thing. Um, the, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I, I think, I think you hit on it, Frank, I think a bit of, of learning and getting better. Obviously McDermott in his first kind of head coaching job understood that he could not be, um, you know, that he had things to learn, <clears throat> whether it's about game management, like Frank talked about, whether it's about roster building. I also would say that the best thing that, that, that Sean McDermott has has brought to Buffalo has been branded Bean, um, in the sense of like really the general manager picking the players is just as important, if not more so, than than the coach coaching them. Um, I think that's been I think that's obviously again been a good uh, good combination. I think the other thing is I will say this um, in terms of McDermott and his kind of philosophy, um, you know the the. The trust the process thing, like I get, like we make fun of it sometimes, and it's and it 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 it, it all everyone trusts the process when you're winning, and it's hard to trust it when you're losing. Um, but I think I guess the the benefit of that mindset is that it does keep you kind of focused on what you're doing week to week, and less into the highs and lows, and that you don't have as many um, you're not riding high on emotions. I think we, we have seen this Bills team do that. I, I think specifically last season or the season before, there have been times when it seems like they're a little high or they're a little low, and it ends up kind of when you come off the high, you don't play as well, or when you're low, you don't quite play as well. But I don't feel like it's lasted too long, and I feel like in some ways that's that's that might be something that McDermott brings of him being kind of the 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 keel of the ship, as it were, to kind of keep it from going 
you know, mm-hmm. side to side, bombing up and down, left to right, um, keeping them on course. I think I, I will say like the in terms of leadership, a lot of things are overrated. But I think one of the important things that that he does is he does set the example in terms of like, I'm going to take I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to be a professional. That means everyone else is going to work hard and be a professional. Um, you know, he's not he's not getting in the media and and having hot takes and he's not, you know, talking about his players in public. You know, those are those are kind of overlooked things sometimes because so many NFL coaches do it. Um, but at the same time, those are those are important. And I think he, he does that. So I'll, I'll stop. There. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on what Scott says. I'll be a little more praiseworthy, I think, of. McDermott, I think that, you know, the, the point was made that he's good at, you know, attacking. Maybe he wasn't as good in his first, you know, first part with the Bills. Remember, in his first season with the Bills, he got to the playoffs with an offense led by uh, Terod Taylor, who I think has started about four games since leaving the Bills. And skill players of Jordan Matthews, Andre Holmes, Calvin Benjamin, Charles Clay, Nick O'Leary, and then LaShawn McCoy, who is at the very tail end of his effectiveness trait. And no one decent really on the offensive line no one you know they had kyle williams a defensive tackle but they didn't have the talent up front uh, they had jerry hughes i guess too uh so they managed to get to the playoffs with that and i think that that is underrated just how well he is able to get players you know to buy into that process to really do the game to game thing and i think remember they had that th- terrible three game losing streak in 2017 and Scott's uh, daughter had his her baptism like the week after this three game stretch. And I'm like, I'm not even going to care about missing this game. And neither did Scott. Mm-hmm. So we went to the baptism. They're playing a Chiefs team that was just becoming the Chiefs team. We now know it was uh, they were the best team in the NFL record wise at that time. But it was last year, the Alex Smith era. <laughs> so they tailed off a bit. But even still, they were good. and the Bills went into Kansas City and beat them after being destroyed in three straight games by the, the Jets and then the Chargers in the Peterman game and then the Saints. Uh, or the, the Jets, Saints, and Chargers in that order. Excuse me, but I I think he keeps players on task. I think he keeps them focused. I think he just has leadership skills, which are somewhat I hate saying intangible because that can be a cop out word. But I think it is difficult to measure what makes an effective leader. It's just having tough discussions, willing to be patient with players. You know, Scott mentioned not calling players out in public. He's been great at that. And then I, the last point I'll make on what has made him so good, I think he is excellent with being patient with player development. Josh was very talented his first year, not very good. Uh, Josh's second year showed signs of improvement, uh, but he was not the quarterback we know now. The third year, boom, we really start to see it. Ed Oliver, same pattern. Trey White, same pattern. He, it's not that Trey White was bad his first year. He was probably the best his first year of any of those guys, but he needed time to develop. Matt Milano was rotating starting position with Ramon Humber. Uh, Deion Dawkins was over at right tackle. So they've done. he's done just such a good job of rewarding players for doing their jobs correctly and helping develop them. And I think as much as it is Josh Allen, yes, uh, Frank is right on that. As much as it is Brandon Bean, which Scott is right on, I do think uh, McDermott has really helped to contribute to the success with his, you know, how he handles that locker room. All right. Just quickly, Tyrod Taylor has played in 20 games since leaving Buffalo, starting 10 of them. Wow. He's played, started 10. So three, yes. I, was it with three with Cleveland? Did he start... Oh, he that's right. Three with Cleveland, one with the with the Clippers, as I like to call them, the Chargers, um, and then six games for Houston. And he has a record of four, five, and one. 
I completely forgot about that Houston tenure. I thought his last start was when uh, the the Chargers trainer tried to murder him. Right. But I guess that. Yeah. Guess he right. he had the Houston start. Sorry about yes. that, Tarod. No problem. Okay. Um, let us move to the people. Uh, Scott, you are muted if you are trying to talk. Sorry. Um, just so you know. Uh, the Buffalo. So starting with the suspension, Bobby Hart was suspended for one game for swinging his helmet at another Titans player after the after a sorry a Titans player after the the game was over, um, and then he hit a coach in the head. Um, <laughs> and so that's what does right, and that was appealed and that was held up. So Bobby Hart will not be available for this week's game against Miami. Uh, I think that's fair. I think yeah. that if you're going to swing your helmet at somebody, that's a dummy move and um, you should not do that. And so blah, you know. Um, yeah. Helmet is a weapon to me. It's like it's like when yeah. they suspended Bryce Harper, throw you throw in the helmet, even though he didn't make contact with the Giants pitcher who got right. a longer suspension, deserved it. Don't be using your helmet as a weapon, folks. Yes. Uh, then we have a very large. Um, sorry. You know what? Scott got dropped from the call. And he's rejoined. He has rejoined. Very good. Okay. It did not show that he had rejoined to me yet, but if he's, if you can see that he's rejoined, I am here. Very the voice of Scott. So Bobby Hart was suspended for swinging his helmet at somebody's Paul Scott. That's all we talked about. And we agreed that if you're gonna, if you're going to swing your, your helmet at somebody, you probably should get fired or, or suspended. Mm. Um, so if you have a different mm. feeling on that, go for it. But <laughs> otherwise I think we've covered it. Uh, and I was getting to the injury list. Okay. Injury list is big. It's bigger than usual. Uh, so let's get to the people who are out. Uh, we have Ed Oliver still out with the, an ankle injury, although he was practicing on Thursday, which was weird or Friday. Even I thought for sure he, they, they at least have him questionable, but he was ruled out, but it was probably good to see it, him moving. Jordan Phillips also out with a hamstring injury. He was also moving. So I guess that they're just sort of, like, I think there's good news in that. Like they're not, not moving the two that are, are scare or scariest. Of course, Dane Jackson, a neck injury on a truly horrific play um, in, in the, in the Titans game where Tremaine Edmonds uh, hits him uh, on accident while they're, while they're tackling um, and his neck goes straight backwards by a miracle. Uh, he has avoided a serious neck injury and walked out of the hospital on his own the following morning um, and does not appear to have any long term, uh, you know, problems with this neck injury. Uh, hopeful that he'll even be able to play football soon. But there's not really been a lot of talk on that. Micah Hyde is out with a neck injury um, and he is getting a second opinion, which. I don't know what to read into that. Some people are saying that means his first his first uh, meeting went poorly and he wants a better answer. I think it's just as plausible that he's more worried about his neck than the first doctor would be. And he wants to wants to ensure that, you know, if he goes back and plays, um, he'll be he'll be OK. So, but he is listed as out. So those four people will not be playing against the Dolphins, all on the defensive side, as we've talked about an offense that's already good for the um, Dolphins. And let me get through the questionables, and then we'll turn to um, Scott. We skipped over this Dan Bill's headline. So sorry, Paul. So let's do this, and then we'll we'll yep. um, we'll finish this. I, I was looking at the wrong part of the thing. Anyway, um, Jordan Poyer on the defensive side has a foot injury. He is questionable. Gabe Davis, 
questionable with an ankle injury. Dawson Knox has a foot injury. He's questionable. Mitch Morse has an elbow injury. Of course, Morse came back to the game, but he is listed as questionable. And Tim Settle didn't play last week, but he has been upgraded from out to questionable with a calf injury. All of those people practiced, so there is hope that they will play. Um, the Dolphins also have a pretty extensive list. Cathon Carter has a concussion. He'll be out. He's a fullback. Hunter Long, tight end and ankle. He is out. Left tackle, Teron Armistad, questionable with a toe injury. Raquan Davis, left tackle, of course, would be where Von Miller is going to be coming through. Um, Raquan Davis, defensive tackle, knee injury. Uh, Xavier Howard, questionable with a groin. Wide receiver, Cedric Wilson Jr. with a ribs issue. Um, so big, massive injury report. Um <laughs> So injuries go and that doesn't even include the guys on IR, which for the Bills is, of course, Trey White and for the Dolphins is right tackle Austin Matthews. So they're going to have problems on the other end of their line, too. So let's give Scott some some time to talk about these injuries and and his thoughts. And then we will um, we will. uh, You know what? Let's do the Miami preview. Let's just do that. And we'll end with this day in Bill's headlines because that makes more sense. But, Scott, why don't you talk about these injuries? And if and and we'll try and weave that into a preview (laughs) of the Miami game. Sure. Injuries bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well done. Yeah. Next I mean, time. I think, yeah. Um, so, yes, their impact on the game is, is more important. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, yeah, this definitely affects my, my preview. I mean, I think um, com- combined with Miami's kind of, uh, uh, you know, a couple blown coverages aside, you know, otherwise pretty good performance against the Ravens, um, especially on offense. I think that does kind of move this game from the, you know, two weeks ago, it was, we're going to beat the Dolphins. I'm not worried about the Dolphins. I am now, I'm now worried about the Dolphins too. I still think the Bills are going to win. I have this very much as a high scoring, like 38, 31 kind of game. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's going to be tough. I, you know, again, the, the the rookie corners have done really well. And, and Dane Jackson has helped and been been part of it. Um, and he has done really well on this, but now he's going to be out. And so it's only going to be Elam and Benford and, you know, Johnson and, and Saran Neal or, or whoever else we're, we're calling up from the practice squad to, to help out, um, especially with Hyde now. Also, you know, again, Hyde's out, right? Hyde is mm-hmm. out and then Toyer's questionable. So there's, it's just, it's, could the, could the, the new young corners like shut down Tyreek Hill, I don't want to say it's impossible, but if you're a smart person, you can't bet on that. You mm-hmm. have to assume that Tyreek Hill is going to break loose once or twice in this game, and it's going to be because the Bills secondary gets confused. It also seems like Miami is doing a much better job of scheming now with this new coach. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to remember. Flores, right, was the last guy? Right, yeah, Flores was the last Mc- guy. McDonald, I think, is the new guy. Yeah, and Flores was, I thought, a good coach, but clearly was not an offensive, like, brilliant guy. And this guy, McDonald, is much more that thing, and he is better at scheming these guys open. Um, you know, I saw, um, you know, the, the schemes and things matter. And and that's one of the ways that you end up with blown coverage is that you're, is you, you build schemes that make it confusing and hard for the opposing team to do that. And then that leads to blown coverages, and then you get what you want. You get the matchups. Um, so I, I think the, the Miami is going to put points on the board. I think the the defensive tackle injuries hurt, but I think with Miami not being as reliant on the run game and the Bills obviously having kind of a high-powered offense, which should be doing even better, again, because Miami is a little bit dinged up with, with Rhodes 
potentially questionable as well. Um, obviously, it'd be great to have Davis out. If Davis is back in, that made me feel a little more confident. But that's kind of the thing. Like, if every Bill who is questionable is out and every Dolphin who's healthy, who's questionable is in, I can see the Dolphins winning this game because, like, injuries matter. At some point, they do catch up. And it's it's a shame and it's, it's uh, frustrating for the Bills, who obviously have so much promise this year. It's only one game. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily mean the end of the season, but it is it. But that's the thing. I don't think that's how it's going to play out. Obviously, some of the Bills who are questionable will play. Some of the Dolphins who are questionable won't play. I think the Bills still have enough talent to get through. So, yeah, I pick something like 38. Right. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. You're going to jump in there, Frank. No, I just uh, was to point out that the Bills are still favored by four and a half. That's kind of come down from five and a half. But yeah. the line has a little, but they're still favored. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think after the injury report yesterday is when it changed because it was six and a half early in the week. And then Miami started, the money started going to Miami. So they went to five and a half. And then I think it was right after they announced Hyde going down uh, or Hyde not being up this week that we started to see that move even further. So, yeah, Scott hit a lot of the high points. Injuries are going to matter this game. Uh, you do have uh, Waddle and you do have Tree Kill and you have Mike Kosicki and maybe. Cedric Wilson Jr., if you depend how his rib injury goes, against a very young Bills secondary. You know, I'd like it if Poyer plays, obviously. There's no guarantee he will. You know, Tim Settle, or, or excuse me, uh, Gabe Davis was questionable last week and didn't play. Uh, so I think questionable really means questionable. Uh, and against Benford, Elam, Jaquan Johnson, and then either Poyer or DeMar Hamlin, that is no doubt a weakened secondary. I think... It will be offset somewhat. The Bills will not be as prone to be thrown off by the motion that Miami throws at you because they play so much zone. They're not really a man team, so they can just let the Dolphins motion all they want and stay in their zones. And, you know, that should that should help them out. And I think what also helps is you don't have the right tackle, Austin Jackson. Jaron Armstead, his, I don't think he's practiced all week with that toe injury, the left no. tackle. And so the pass rush is it should get home. It should get home a lot. And Tua tends to be best when he has time. And I think the Bills defensive front seven, which again, also a bit injured. You're missing your top two, three technique defensive tackles. And Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips are two guys who have no problem getting to the quarterback uh, in these situations. So that's going to hurt the Bills a bit. But you still have Miller. You still have Rousseau. Epinesa ate this team alive last season. I really like what I've seen from Daquan Jones. And at the very least, he's going to uh, have an impact on the run game, which Miami has not been able to get going at all this year. So I think they're going to get their yards. Yeah, there's no doubt that Waddle and Hill will get their yards. Tua is going to have a decent stat line when you look at his total yardage for this game. I think that's going to be very difficult to avoid, but I think with the pressure they can get to him, they can throw him off a bit. And I don't think the Bills' offensive injuries, even if Gabe Davis ends up being uh, out for this game. I don't think that's going to affect them against Miami too much. Miami does have, I would say, a better defense than Tennessee does. They have a very good uh, front seven, especially. Uh, but as Lamar Jackson showed, they can be picked apart in the passing game. And if the Bills' offensive line, which if Mitch Morse is healthy especially, should be able to protect Josh, I think they can they can win this one on offense. I also am going to say this is going to be a high-scoring one. I'll say uh, Buffalo 3. 30 i'm gonna make this a close one i'm gonna say 34 to 30 34 to 30 yeah i think it's a little more um i think i agree 
uh, I, I was thinking more in the realm of 42 to like, you know, 32 or something mm. like that. It still kind of like, I think the, I think that the one thing that we don't really think about is how they've manhandled the the Dolphins offensively uh, whenever they felt like over the last years, they really, even with Xavier Howard, you know, happy yep. and healthy, he he's never had an answer for the bills. Um, mm. So I really think that, I think that Paul's point about the, 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 the pass rush getting home is a is a big difference between them and the Ravens. I expect quick pass quick passes in in front of the line and everything like that. Um, so I imagine that the yards will come for Hill and Waddle. But I think what you can do is if your front four are getting home, you can leave linebackers back there to help tackle. You can muck it. You can muck up the the lanes a bit, and and it will be about tackling. You know, it will be about can you stop them from getting the plus yardage? They're going to get some of it, but you don't want them to break loose. And what you want to do is make Tua have to keep doing that and make those guys have to keep getting tackled. Because if you can slow them down, I don't think the Dolphins can slow down the Bills offense. So that's why I think that, you know, you know, th- those points might come for the the Dolphins. But I think Buffalo's going to be in a position to always score more. And so that's where I think that they they really sort of are going to be be helped out here um, in that regard. So we're all picking the bills. Um, you know, I think it'll be an exciting game. The thing that the Dolphins have shown me is that you you can't you can't take them for granted now. Right. You can't mm-hmm. take your foot off the gas. I also think that, you know, one of the nice things before we, we move on to the Stain Bills headlines, you know, those practice squad DT stepped up. And yeah. Jack Johnson's been in us in the safeties room for a couple of years now. I expect that he's probably they've shown they will move on from a guy who can't do it. So I'm confident that while he might not be Micah Hyde, he's going to be able to play safety in the system. And so I, I think we're going to be OK here with regards to that. I think it's a it's a false flag, really, to sort of worry about, oh, God, the safeties and corners are down and look at these great wide receivers because not that they can't exploit that and not that they won't get their yards, but it's a system. It's not a guy. And I think that they're really going to be able to be in the right position. And if they tackle, they're going to make Miami do it the hard way. And we'll see if they can do it the hard way against the Bills, who really, really aren't going to make some of the mistakes. I don't think that the that the Ravens did last week against the against the Dolphins. All right, let us move on to this day in Bill's headlines. Scott, you are going to fend for the first this day in Bill's headlines yourself as I have to quickly step away from the computer. Um, but we are excited for this great segment. Okay. All right, here we go. Today is supposed to be September 23rd. We'll ignore the fact that it's September 24th because we had to uh, postpone the podcast. We forgot to mention for the first time in ages, all in the same time zone, uh, the three of us recording this pod, but none of us even in the same state. So... Here we go, Scott. Uh, I think you're gonna you're gonna start off well with this one. Uh, so we'll see if you can get the 2021 this day in Bills headlines. Bills defensive end blank still craving more after breakout game. Blank lost weight after his rookie season. Something the team thought would be best as they tried to speed him up. He spent time in Buffalo, getting time in the training room and weight room to maximize his offseason. Extra time with Harrison Phillips and Effie Obata also helped tighten a position group that's already close. Blank felt that Sunday after the game when all of his teammates were rushing around to congratulate him. Uh, is it Epinesa who we just it talked is, about? It is AJ Epinesa who had a seemingly breakout game against the Dolphins last season in Miami and then kind of fell asleep uh, for. And then kind of, of broke, 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 broke himself back in. Yes. 
<laughs> he was like, yep, okay, that's right. I'm he said, be oh, I got some tape, guys. I'm sorry I broke out. Let me just fix that for you and go back inside. <laughs> but he got his sack and a half that game, so good job, AJ. And do that. Do feel free to do that against the Dolphins every time. Uh, so let's hope that happens this week. All right. 2020, you guys have struggled with this one before. Let's see if you remember the name now. Bills released tight end blank from practice squad. Blank originally joined the Bills as an undrafted free agent in 2017. He produced 22 receptions for 259 yards and a touchdown in his Bills career, all coming in 2018. Uh, with his release, just one player that caught passes from Allen and his rookie remains on the team. That player is wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. So tight end. I will say this guy was undrafted out of Tennessee, and he did catch. He, he left the Bills. He went on to the Eagles. He caught one pass, which I saw live on TV. Uh, mm. Touchdown reception with the Eagles in 2020, but he hasn't played in the NFL since. Again, the, the, the thing. The, Jacob Hollister or something? No, that was the Wyoming guy. That was the Wyoming guy they cut. Oh, okay. This is the guy who dated uh, Kelly Pagula. In fact, I oh, thought that's right. Up, but I was unable to confirm anywhere. I haven't found confirmation anywhere, but I'm pretty sure they've since split. Jessica, Jessica Pagula, not Kelly. <laughs> um, not an incestuous family, let's hope. I no. don't think we're going to get this one. No. Uh, mm. would it, if I said his last name rhymes with broom, that's probably going to get you there. Kroom. Uh, Jason Kroom. Very Jason good. Jason All right. 2019. Bill's blank was grown-ass man on rampage catch and run to set up winning TD. I can't, couldn't find where. Oh, yeah. This headline was, I think, New York Upstate. Was, they had this grown-ass man in their headline. All Knox. right. Uh, Knox, yeah, Dawson, Dawson Knox. Knox, yeah. Yep. Full description about him wearing a Rambo shirt and just rampaging over all the Bengals. This is our first Dawson Knox sighting, really, in 2019. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. 2017. How Pilates turned Bill's linebacker blank into a pro bowler. Long LaShawn. before. LaShawn. Sean? Wait, do we have a LaShawn at linebacker? I don't linebacker. Even... No, sorry. <laughs> uh, long before he joined the Bills, he was introduced to Pilates, a conditioning program focused on building core strength, flexibility, and endurance through low-impact stretches and movements. Since then, he's adopted a new lifestyle, shed more than 80 pounds, switched positions, and emerged as a trusted asset on the field and inside the Bills' locker room. It showed Sunday when you recorded a sack, two tackles for a loss, and nine tackles in Buffalo's 9-3 loss to Carolina. Lorax. Lorax. The Lorax. Renzo Alexander. Good job, Scott. All right, 2015. Bills trade blank to Cowboys for 2017 fifth-round pick. Blank, in his 11th NFL season, was the Bills' number two quarterback behind Terod Taylor the past two weeks. E.J. Manuel is now expected to assume that role. It is unclear what the Bills' plans are for a third quarterback. This is 2015. 2015. Blank, who the Bills traded for, cut, and then re-signed this offseason, officially goes down with a 1-0 record as Bills quarterback since he started and took one snap in the season opener against the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Castle. Matt Castle. Castle. Yep, that one snap for the Bills. And he got a bonus for that snap, I remember. Right. Like the lowest bonus ever given to a, a player um, because it was just the one snap. All right. Tougher one here, but a gettable one. We'll see if we can do it. Uh, 2009. Bill's center blank misses practice with stiff back. That's potentially bad news for a team that has already shuffled its lineup this week after losing starting right tackle Brad Butler and starting tight end Derek Schumann. Jesus, Derek Schumann was a starting tight end. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so this guy started uh, 28 games at center for the Bills in 2009 and 2010, sandwiched between two stints with the Carolina Panthers, with whom he played for seven years total, four before he joined the Bills and three after he left. Uh, He started 57 games with the Panthers, a guard or center. So this was a guy that Eric Wood used to play guard, and then eventually they were kind of grooming him to be a center. And then after this guy's contract expired in 2010, they're like, all right, you're going to move to center now, Eric. Is this Trey Teague? No, this was a guy right after Teague. You are in the right era. You are literally, uh, I think Teague ended in 08, and this guy came out in 09. Or it might have been Melvin Fowler in 08. I, I don't remember. Melvin Fowler. So it's not Melvin Fowler um, either. It's not like, Melvin no. Fowler. Is it, was it like Levi Brown? Oh, no, that's a good guess. Why am I, why am I, why am I a, the Bills had a Levi Brown who was a quarterback, but there's also Levi Brown who he was, was a quarterback. an offensive lineman, too. Yeah. 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 Who am I thinking of? Bro. Wallace? So Stevens? No. Johnny yeah. Tremaine? <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give Scott <laughs> the knowledge if it helps. 2005 round five pick by Carolina out of Texas A&M. Mm. I'd give you a rhymes with, but this last name rhymes with nothing that I know in the world. <laughs> orange. orange. Yeah. Bill Orange. No. Bill Orange. No, you might have to tell us. <laughs> yep. We're going to go with Jeff Hangartner. Oh, Hangartner. Hangartner. Damn it. Oh, yes. his name went through my brain and I didn't say it. I should have. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Word about. Word with linemen, out. I always feel good if Paul says something like, you're in the right era. Like that, I feel like I've done my job then. Right. Like once you said Trey I, Teague and not like Dusty Ziegler, which would have right. been like eight years too late, you know, eight years too early. Or, you know, been like, oh, I think that was Mitch Morse. That would have been eight years wrong. Sometimes yeah. it helps. If I get the rest of the line, sometimes that'll help me put it together. But but I don't think I would have got it. I said Hangartner. Maybe I would have got Whatever. All right. On we move to 2005. Bill safety blank played through pain of broken thumb. Uh, that's what I expect out of myself. Blank said it wasn't fun, but I think I can tolerate a lot of pain. I went out there and made it happen. Whenever you have something taken away from you that you value so much, it hurts. Uh, when I found out it was broken and the doctor said surgery, I broke down because of how hard I worked to get ready for the season. I was having a pretty good start. It was like, why me? That's when I decided to just play ball the rest of that game and worry about the consequences later. And you know what? He started all 16 games for the Bills that year. Uh, in fact, he never missed a game this seven seasons before coming to the Bills in 2003. Mm. Starting all 16 games for the Bills in 03 and 05. He did only play 11 games in 04, but still pretty healthy in his career. Um, so not Dante Wade. Malloy. Lawyer Malloy. Good job, Scott. Didn't even need the clues about being a four-time Pro Bowler. All right. 2002. I have given this guy's name once before, and Scott shocked us all and knew it. So maybe he'll remember this name again. All right. 2002. Two blank penalties aid his ex. Uh, Blank committed two defensive penalties to keep Denver drives alive, and he had been part of the Bills' defense that allowed Brian Greasy's first and five touchdown pass to Rod Smith with 239 left to put the game away. It wasn't the first time teams have gone after blank, and it won't be the last. Opposing offenses have respect for starting cornerbacks Antoine Winfield and Nate Clements and their ability to lock down receivers. So this is the 2002 nickel cornerback. Terrence McGee? Nope. Remember, the uh, they say his ex, because he used to play for oh, Denver. Right. In fact, that's who the Bills got him from. He Chris had Watson? A, Chris Watson, Scott, yeah. does it again. Scott, dun, 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 dun. Scott, I think you'd credit playing video games in this era with knowing yes, Chris Watson yes, last the, time. Strictly, strictly Chris Watson in, in the, the 2002 Bills. I Yes, <laughs> having played basically my roommate in Madden 
every Saturday night before we went out. Uh, yes, I am very familiar with that team. Yeah. All right. Well, that's paid off. All right. The last one, guys. We're going to go all the way back to 1989, talking about someone's NFL debut here. Bill's confident blank is ready to produce. Uh, blank never has played in the National Football regular national in a National Football League regular season game, but his Buffalo Bills coaches don't seem nervous at all about his debut Sunday against the Houston Oilers. Uh, in all fairness to Jim Kelly, Bills wide receiver coach Nick Nicolau said, "We drafted wheels for him, and now we've got to put them on his car. We got some pretty good speed out there when we get all those guys receivers Andre Reid, Flip Johnson, and Blank in at the same time." Is this Donald Babe? It is Donald Babe of Shadron, Nebraska State College. Uh, he was welcome to the lineup as a third receiver, uh, and I believe it was his first game. And he he has a good story about this, where he lined up against Chris Dishman, and Chris Dishman of the Oilers looked at him and said, oh, "Here, uh, here, white boy can run." And on the first snap, uh, he burned him. Kelly threw a perfect bomb, and. He he got a touchdown in his, his first time out there. And then he lines up against Dishman next time. He's like, damn, white boy can run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that was, a, that was a crazy fun game. In 1989, the NA, NFL debut of Don DB, on, uh, which was reported around September 23rd. Awesome. Okay, well, that was it for our show. If you didn't listen to the middle there, we all picked Miami to win. Or sorry, to lose. God. I hope I didn't just jinx it. <laughs> Fuck me in the head. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Hopefully we're talking about a Buffalo Bills victory, uh, and we will try and get to recording this podcast sooner rather than later this week, this time next week. Uh, but thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. Until next time, um, you can find us MNY Bills on Twitter, and that's the best way to do that. But my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Goodbye, everybody.